Let's pray together again. Triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, you are holy, unique, there is no one like you. We confess that sometimes we believe and behave as if that isn't true. We believe and behave as if we are the ones who are unique and to be worshipped. But God, you made us for yourself, and so we pray that through your word today, you would reveal more of who you are, that you alone are a firm foundation for life and eternity, that your word is your truth, and that especially through the Lord Jesus Christ, you have revealed yourself, and that only through him can we have a right relationship with you. Help us to see you for who you are and ourselves for who we are. And Father, change us, motivate us, unite us together to be involved in the mission that Christ commanded of his people. In his name we pray, amen. Building anything of consequence takes hard work and persistence. So looking for shortcuts just isn't an appropriate approach to handling anything of importance, to do them well and and to make them last. Do you want sloppy design or shortcut labor on the bridges that you will drive on today? Or... Sloppy design and shortcut labor on the house that you plan to live in? How much more is this the case of of us building something according to God's command and to do so in a way that honors the glory of his own great name? If we know God is placing us as living stones in the church that he is building, if he is making us into useful members of his body, then we know our role is to take care how we function, how we build, how we serve as under-shepherds of the good shepherd, his soldiers, citizens, his sons and daughters. Here's what I'm getting at in our study of the last part of Acts chapter 14 today. The pattern of the missionary ministry in Acts provides us with a model for missions that we aim to follow to this day. As Paul and Barnabas now revisit the believers where they've preached and they continue proclaiming Christ in in places they pass through where they didn't already have opportunity to preach, and as they return to their sending church, this section in particular gives us clarity for healthy missions, for building something that will last. And it can be applied in in some ways to all of Christian ministry more broadly. Read with me in Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 21, where we left off last week. They had arrived in Derbe. And it says in verse 21, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, 
strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, and with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Verse 24, they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there, they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. I want us to walk away from this text today, seeing that the pattern of these missionaries is the healthiest way to approach missions. And there are certain principles from church planting that we can and should follow in any local church. I sometimes say that if it's the right thing for church planting, that it's the, then it's the right thing for any church, even though sometimes it's harder to do things in an established church if we know that something ought to change. But those principles apply to us as well. And there are aspects of this missionary approach that we can apply to any ministry situation that the Lord already has us in. So I hope that you'll be attentive looking for those things as well, even though clearly my emphasis will be this morning on a healthy approach to missions. To that end, I'll break this into three parts based on Paul and Barnabas's movements that we saw in the verses we read. And, and as we do that, we'll seek to answer this question that's in each part of this. How might what's happening give us clarity for a healthy missions model and even inform ministry where God has us? So first of all, as Paul and Barnabas revisit the communities with converts, how might that give us clarity for a healthy missions model? Well, let me ask you this. If you were a recent convert in any of these largely unreached areas, how would you want missionaries to handle you and, and the new conversions for the sake of, of the church's stability and, and ongoing outreach in your area? How would you want them to handle it with you? You'd want these more mature Christ followers to take the time to see you become established as a healthy local church. That's what you would want. Even though this, these are younger local churches. We can throw this map back up here again for you to see. Paul and Barnabas not only take a longer way home in order to see this accomplished, but at great personal risk. Paul was nearly killed by stoning. Remember the angry crowds that came to Lystra because they had pursued them in their jealous wrath all the way from Iconium and Antioch? Paul and Barnabas could have headed from, from Derby south to Cilicia, which is the region of, of Saul's own home. They could have traveled back through Tarsus by land and then kept going east and headed back to Antioch of Syria that way. That's not what they did. They took the harder route home in order to revisit the churches where their lives were being threatened. That other route would have been closer, more personally convenient and undoubtedly safer. This isn't personally advantageous, but it is what is needed for the health of the churches being established in these communities. And it becomes a pattern for Paul's practice 
We'll hear Paul mention this mindset again in Acts chapter 15, right after the Jerusalem council meets and they return to Antioch. And Paul will say to Barnabas, let us return to visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and see how they are. And how can we tell, now back to our text of Acts chapter 14, verse 21, how can we tell that their concern is for the health of the local community of believers as they returned to each location? Well, first of all, the series of three things that's interconnected in verse 22 are about helping them have the maturity and the courage to withstand hardship. Paul and Barnabas are striving to strengthen the souls of the disciples Remember, disciples are are people who have believed in Jesus to forgive their sin and to be made right with God now and forever, and who are therefore following Jesus with their whole lives and have become his witnesses. As believers, whether new or old, we need God's strength to be his people. On our own, we are fickle, and we're finite, and we're feeble. But through Christ, we are given the Spirit of God, and we need not fear those who can only kill our bodies. Remember the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 12, verses 4 and 5? I tell you, don't fear the people who can only kill your body. Fear him who has control over not just your earthly life, but your eternity. So can you hear Paul and Barnabas encouraging them with the words of Jesus? Encouraging them to persevere, to continue, to keep their confidence in Christ and to keep proclaiming him. We are his. And nothing they can do, there's nothing that these other people can do to you that will change that. You are his. And him we proclaim because in him are head in all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians 2.3. So they strengthen and encourage them. So too they encourage them to continue in the faith and they tell them that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Let me ask you a question as you think about Paul's means of encouragement to them. How can Paul essentially telling them suffering precedes glory be a continuation of strengthening and encouraging them? Because this was the path of our Savior and it is the path of his people. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. In this case, the kingdom of God referring to the final and perfect culmination of God's kingdom. How is telling the truth about suffering strengthening and encouraging to God's people? I can think of at least two reasons. First of all, you don't prepare people for battle by telling them there's no war. Saying things like, I know I was just nearly stoned to death for being a faithful minister of Christ, but I'm sure that won't happen to any of you. Or fast forward to our context. Don't worry. If you just have enough faith in God, he'll give you plentiful cash and plush comfort, and your loved ones will be healed of cancer. Don't worry. There will be no persecution in America or anywhere if God's people will just pray. Such thinking and teaching twists the intent of God's word and his will. No, you get people ready for battle by providing them with training and with weapons. 
This isn't even really a battle against other people, Paul might say. This is a cosmic battle for who gets glory in the universe against the forces of evil for control of people's hearts. So we must be equipped for ministry, Ephesians 4.12, together to be mature, trained for godliness, Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. And Paul will tell people, put on the full armor of God, Ephesians 6. And secondly, you're reminding them that this suffering is not a sign of God's abandonment or lack of ability to keep his promises. When we suffer, is that a sign that God has abandoned us? Is it a sign that God is unable to deliver in these circumstances? No, this is the path of his people by which God is most glorified and the Savior has already gone before us so that the victory is already won. Therefore, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Again, the words of Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. We just aren't there yet in time. But in time and through this tribulation, we will in fact enter God's perfect kingdom and dwell with him forever. That is rousing the hearts of the troops. Some of us will die today. And some of us will suffer harm. But such is not defeat because God cannot lose. Are you hearing me, troops? Through Jesus Christ, he has already proven his victory. When our captain returns, may he find us on the battlefield for people's hearts. Not only did Paul revisit these churches, but he even made a practice of writing to these churches. You keep hearing me quote Paul's letters. He's, he, he wrote letters to leaders and churches to help them mature, to help them deal with error and persecution, with tribulations. So on this return trip, Paul and Barnabas would have desired that each community of believers be encouraged and strengthened to stand firm against persecution or falsehood. And to help them make sure this would last, that they could do so, and that the progress would continue in their absence, they appointed elders, plural, for the believers in every church, the assembly, the congregation, that word is. In each community, they appointed elders. The job of the elders was to shepherd the group to stay the course. In God's wisdom, he has determined for us that shepherding a church in the way that the good shepherd, who is our owner, would, would have us do what he wants us, the way he wants us to do it, he, this is best accomplished by a team of shepherds working together, being accountable to one another and to the congregation, working together to lead and feed, working together to protect and to pursue health according to the great physician, working together to give uh, to preach and to guide and to provide for this body so that it is clicking on all cylinders and every member is ministering and doing her part or his part. That sounds overwhelming, if not impossible, for anyone or even for any group, if I'm honest. 
It's no wonder that the next and final thing they prioritize for these local churches is prayer and trusting them to the Lord. They had believed in Christ alone, and they still desperately need the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to encourage you to pray desperately and dependently for yourselves and for your elders. Your elders are praying for you. Pray for your elders. Pray that they will depend on God's wisdom and his power and not in their own ingenuity or pragmatism. Pray for them that they will in any situation do what is most faithful to the principles in God's word that best represents the heart of God that most honors God's holiness as well as his initiative to reach lost souls, that prioritizes the gospel of Jesus Christ and the work of the Spirit of God in the lives of his people. Pray for God to show them what is the healthiest path forward. And pray for the church everywhere with fervency and desperation, like Paul and Barnabas praying for the church with fasting, which is the New Testament, in the New Testament usually accompanies seasons or moments of intense prayer, which we saw Luke emphasize even in his gospel about Jesus. We saw Jesus in, when important decisions were coming, important things need to be done. Where did we find Jesus? Praying dependently on the Father and the work of the Spirit. Look to Paul's letters for examples of prayer for the church. Here's just one example from Paul's letter to the Colossians in Colossians 1, 9 through 12. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Holy smokes, that prayer is packed. And you think to yourself, can God answer that prayer? And the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, he can do more than all we ask or imagine. He can do more than you know how to ask for. God, help us to be faithful so that you can do this in us. If you want to see other prayers, look at the opening of Ephesians. And Philippians, also, as I mentioned, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Paul and Barnabas would depart each community having established elders and having entrusted that church to the Lord's care. What we're saying then is that each, in each place, they essentially made it their aim to see the local church established and growing, able to stand firm against persecution and false teaching, faithful to Christ's call to be set apart as his people and sent to be his witnesses, that they would be faithful disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus, who call others to follow Jesus. This brings clarity to the objective of the missionary endeavor in specific locations. There is no quick fix, no shortcut to success. 
You can't just see people trust Christ and get out of there. We have to see churches planted, maturing and thriving, replicating themselves. Imagine leaving a bunch of babies and toddlers, even young children, in a house or in a town. Welcome to the family of Christ. From here on, you'll have to figure it out on your own. If you ever read that adolescent literature book about the Lord of the Flies, that's a fictional version of how that might go. Planting and establishing healthy local churches is the objective because healthy communities of believers are the vehicle God has given us to achieve the goal of proclaiming Christ to the ends of the earth. Not the apostles, nor one church can reach every ethnicity, every language group, and community on the planet, even though I joke that we have enough young people in our church to do it. This is a task for all believers. So to see it achieved, we must continue this pattern of establishing healthy local churches who will grow to maturity and continue the work. Now to our second and third questions of the text, which we can answer more briefly, but are of no less importance. As Paul and Barnabas preach the word in, in the places that they pass through on their way back home, how might that give us clarity for a healthy missions model? If you picture yourself again on the other end of this, being someone who, who still needs to hear the gospel, how would you want Christians to behave while passing through your area? We have the cure to your soul's greatest need. How would you want them to behave while they encounter you on life's path? You'd want them to behave like Paul and Barnabas. In between the travel logs in our text, verses 24 to 26, stardate circa AD 47, what does it tell us? They speak the word in Perga. It seems that for some reason they didn't remain there very long the first time in their journey going through so they take time now on their return to preach Christ in this community, in Perga. Don't miss this. We've seen it in so many other texts, so I just want to repeat it here. What are they proclaiming? As they have all along, that Jesus is the only answer to the human condition, to the human longing, our need to be right with God. Maybe that's why God has you here today, so that today you can repent of sin and self and respond in faith to Jesus as Lord. Or maybe as you hear this today, you're left with a lot of questions. I want to challenge you, if you're not used to hearing this kind of thing, if you're not very familiar with Jesus, if you're not very familiar with the God of the Bible that we're trying to describe to you this morning, I challenge you this. Find out who Jesus is and why he matters. Find out who Jesus is and why he matters. Don't let this be the last time you hear about or explore the meaning and the purpose of God sending Jesus to earth. Now, what Paul and Barnabas do in Perga serves as a reminder that the work, the missionary endeavor, is not complete until Christ says it's complete. And he will make that known by his glorious return with the loud trumpet call of God. And I know you're listening for it. <laughs> and you're ready and excited. 
But until then, soldiers, we're not done. Such an understanding brings clarity to the scope of the missionary endeavor. There are more people and more places yet unreached with the word of Christ, which is a healthy perspective of the grand objective of Christ's church. Imagine that the game, you, imagine you think that the game is over after just one goal is scored in the first five minutes. One run is scored, one basket made in the first 15 seconds. But there's still a whole lot of game left to be played. The goal of reaching every ethnic group on the planet should motivate us to go and send more and to cooperate together with like-minded believers in this endeavor. So our healthy missions mindset must be that the task is not complete until the final whistle blows. And there are people around us and across the globe who need us to tell them that Jesus is Lord. And we've seen, too, that the primary missionary objective is not simply that some people would trust Christ when we evangelize, but that we work to establish healthy local churches who stand firm for Christ and continue that same mission. And now, finally, what about the missionaries? I love this section of text. You guys have recently been able to show so much love to the Farr family when they came back to the States. We've been sending you emails, and we'll be sending you more emails about the, the Spicers coming back from Brazil to be here, and we're going to love on them and encourage them, overwhelm them with how kind you are and how much you want to encourage them. And here's why. What about the missionaries? How will they be able to continue in this rewarding but difficult task? Notice what we learn here from, from this pattern as a healthy practice for them in their relationship to those who have sent them out. As Paul and Barnabas return to their sending church to report and to refill how might that give, give us clarity for a healthy missions model? Once more, if you picture yourself as one of these missionaries, what would you need in order to remain healthy in, in ministry? You'd need to do what Paul and Barnabas do. They go back to where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work. Verse 26b. The work which, I'll remind you, God had the work to which God had called them, Acts 13, verse 2 and which they had now fulfilled, verse 26. And so they gather the church, which apparently in this city is able to meet all together in one location, and they report summaries and specifics of things that, got, that, that had taken place on their missionary endeavor, how those stories must have gone. And Luke gives us a taste in his retelling of some of those things. And, and then also in their, in their conversation with the church, they emphasize in particular the theology of, of an open door of faith to the Gentiles. This isn't to say that these were the first Gentiles saved in their ministry, but more about how widespread and effective such ministry was becoming among the Gentiles. The cracked door that we had heard of so far in Acts has been flung open, Paul and Barnabas say. The success of conversions among the Gentiles will generate conversations and confusion about what is expected now of these new converts, and that will lead to the Jerusalem Council on the subject in Acts 15. But I want you to picture this as they gather the church and they're telling them these things. What a time of joyful reflection for both the missionaries and those who sent them out. 
entrusting them and their ministry to God's gracious working. We sent them out. It felt too soon. We wish we could keep them here. And they came back to tell us, wow, God, you're amazing. We're so refreshed and energized and encouraged. And for the missionaries to get to tell that. The second thing Paul and Barnabas do in the Antioch church is they remain no little time which is a figure of speech for saying they stayed quite a while. They needed rest and refreshment and rejuvenation and refocus. In short, they needed to report God's work through them, but then they also needed to replenish their tanks to refill after an exhausting and extensive season of ministry. So they had an extended stay to refresh and rest, no doubt also plugging back into the ministry some during that extended stay. But if you've ever been in this type of ministry work where you're sort of going out as the tip of the spear, if you've ever been in a position like that, even ministry feels less stressful and more refreshing coming back to a place where the load is carried more widely and the maturity level is shared by more coworkers and so on. I can tell you how refreshing and encouraging it is for me to serve as a chief servant among you because there are so many mature believers serving here. It's refreshing and encouraging. And so our missionaries, I'll tell you, they have a lot less of that. And they need us to pray for them and to encourage them. But as they return, what a, what a time of joyful refreshment for both missionaries and their, their sending church to have them back for a season. This pattern of returning to the sending church brings clarity to the need for missionaries to be healthy, to be in community, to be accountable to the body of Christ, which is to be accountable to Christ himself, the head of his church. The missionaries themselves need the community and the support of the church. Again, I want you to imagine feeling like a stranded soldier. You've probably heard of some stories of battles and war where the soldiers just got left behind. They were cut off from their support lines. Yes, God is sufficient to sustain us, but one of the primary means of his grace to accomplish this for us is through the church. All of us need this in ministry, to know the prayer and support and teamwork and oversight and accountability of the community of faith working together as Christ commanded us, for our own good. Here's my challenge to you this morning. If you feel disconnected, or maybe not quite connected enough, you be more proactive to get connected. If you prefer to just kind of attend things, but keep to yourself, I just want to tell you honestly that you're really missing out on God's grace to you through the body of Christ as he intended it. You have no idea yet how good it is to be more closely connected to God's people. When God's people take the word of God and counsel and nourish and encourage and challenge one another through the word, you be proactive to be more connected. 
there's a healthier sense of the presence and the care of the Lord in our lives when we stay close to the church as the means of his grace to us. Just like we say that you can't hear from God without the Bible, you also won't experience the fullness of his tender care without being with his flock. A little bit of preaching to the choir this morning. Here you are. Continue that in other ways. Now, perhaps the key thought we might conclude with then is this. Notice the emphasis on health. Notice the emphasis on health. Nothing happens or, or everything unravels without clarity on needing to establish healthy local churches. And without a healthy perspective of the, the grand objective and without careful attention to our own spiritual health, even physical health in ministry. See, we need health in ministry for stability, to have longevity, to have productivity. Or think of it like a tree. We need the root system of stability. We need the trunk of longevity in ministry and that will lead to the branches that give off fruit of productivity. Health is so important for us, and God has given us the local church. So our emphasis this morning really is that's what believers need everywhere in order to be healthy and continue the mission that Christ has given to us. Let's pray. We will have the praise team come again, and then this morning we have the privilege of taking the Lord's table together as his people. Father God, we thank you and we praise you for your perfect plan. In your word, we come to see just how good you are and faithful you are, all the covenant promises you have made that you have fulfilled and are fulfilling through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you that it was your plan to not leave us alone once we have trusted Christ, but to be built together as his house, to be built together as his people, his body. So we pray that you'll give us clarity and even help us as we counsel other people when they talk to us about their interest in missions, that we, we give this kind of advice based on the pattern that we see in Acts. Lord, help us to follow some of these patterns in our own local church and in any churches that you give us the privilege to help establish. We thank you and we praise you for the clarity you give us in your word. In Christ's name, amen.